Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me is Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. Our man Kip is on vacation, um, enjoying some uh, some some frothy beverages, I, I assume, and, and uh, taking a little time off after dominating the opening coverage uh, for us. And, uh, you know, we got, we got a full show today. We got a lot going on uh, we learned earlier today. Or, or, or you know we've we've learned already that that what Georgia's got going on for SEC media days, um, you know who, who's going to be representing the team. It's going to be Jake Fromm, J.R. Reed, Andrew Thomas. Uh, we're going to talk a couple of team topics. We're going to talk recruiting and and some crystal ball picks that Rusty has made. Uh, but before we get to all that, Rusty, how's it going, man? I'm here. Um, pro- probably wishing I was on the West Coast with with Kip. I don't know if I could make it with Kip. Kip Kip is an an, an IPA. Uh, five star. So, yeah. The last six, seven days with Kip, you, you probably have to buckle it up pretty good. Yeah, you got to, got to stay hydrated for sure. <laughs> and like real hydrated, like H two O hydrated. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ah man, not to tell you what, man. My, I've, I've shifted. I've had to shift. Uh, the older I get, the more I have to shift to the Michelob Ultras, and, uh, and just kind of take it easy. Um, and you know, one or two type guy, because otherwise. I'll be out of commission for a couple of days. I have the the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday sleepies. When you start doing the two of those and then a water in between, you'll get my age. <laughs> hey, I got a I got a quick story to tell. This is uh, I, I I wasn't gonna do this whenever it started, but something crazy happened to me at the gym this morning. It's kind of break the ice today. Uh, I, I was on the treadmill or on this Cybex machine or whatever whatever I do for you know interval stuff for uh, for cardio and. Uh, there was, I heard this yelling behind me. I had no idea what was going on. Like I just yelling and, uh, I turned around and it's these two old dudes and one dude's on the treadmill and the other one's standing right there beside him. And so I kind of slow down and, and, and turning and looking back and, you know, it's going on for three or four or five minutes. And I turn around and look and there's like a walkway in front and there's all these people standing there watching these. And it took us about five minutes to realize that neither one of these guys could hear okay and so they're yelling at each other because they've got to okay so they can hear each other and so you know i guarantee there's more than a dozen people there i'd say at least 15 maybe 18 people just standing there kind of like you know these guys are getting into it what's going on and it takes us a little while to realize that's not happening and the crowd slowly dispersing and neither one neither one of those guys was able to kind of tell hey people are looking at us didn't stop talking. They didn't stop yelling at each other. I mean, this this was like two two old men at the barber shop, oh, and just just screaming across the barber shop at each other. Not mad, but they sound mad because of how loud they're talking. And man, like I I almost couldn't even get through the next. I think I had like fifteen minutes left, and I almost couldn't get through it. I laughed at that like five, six, seven times, just cracked myself up because. 18 people they drew a crowd and the crowd dispersed before they even knew what was going on sounds like and, that sounds like be me and tim watts one day <laughs> tim watts from over at bama online that's 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 probably true that's probably true tim, tim may yell at you anyway he may just he may, oh. he kind of he kind of talks loud anyway so oh. uh but uh, getting into our first team topic and and kind of you know it got me to thinking, Rusty, when Georgia announced, or, or I guess the SEC announced the three representatives for SEC Media Days, I started thinking impactful players on the football team. 
not necessarily most talented or best or most valuable, but just the guys that are going to have the biggest impact in the 2019 season. And we're going to call this segment Power Five, and we're going to do the Power Five segment, you know, intermittently throughout the throughout the preseason, throughout the season, um, on, on different topics. And and I've got some of those in mind, and and you'll see them as as we get to them. Uh, but but the five most impactful players on the team, you've got five, I've got five, and I'm going to kick it off. Um, because my number five most impactful player on this team uh, for the 2019 season is I think it's going to be Eric Stokes. And and I don't necessarily consider Eric Stokes a top 10 football player on this team right now. I know there's still a lot to be determined with him, but in terms of impact, I, I really believe he is going to have a massive impact on this season with, with stepping in that DeAndre Baker role uh, you know, having a chance to to kind of showcase his speed. He's gotten so much better. He got so much better from year one to year two. He got so much better as the season went on last year. And then all of a sudden, you're looking at a guy who seems like he's on the DeAndre Baker track. You know, he's 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 getting he's getting better. He's getting better quickly. He's got a lot of confidence. But one thing that stands out to me about DeAndre, I'm mean, sorry about Derek Stokes, that that I think is going to allow him to be impactful this year is what Kirby Smart has said about him over and over again is how coachable he is. You you tell him to do something one time, and he's got it. You know, he blocked that punt at Missouri last year after not having a single live rep in practice playing that position on the punt team because he just watched the guy in front of him and figured out how to do it. And that's the kind of guy that, 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 you know, having coached a little bit, that's the kind of guy I want on my side. And, and I feel like his season and, and the impact he's going to have for Georgia at cornerback, because I think D.J. Daniel and, and you know, uh, Tyson Campbell and, and, and maybe even Tyreek Stevenson are going to slug it out at that other cornerback position. But I see Eric Stokes is a little more solidified, and he comes in at number five for me. Yeah, I like that pick, uh, you know, knowing him a little bit uh, through the high school and, and his former high school coach, Rick Hurst left east side when he was a sophomore and came to Pepperell, and that was the first time i'd heard about eric stokes um coach Hurst said listen i left a kid at my school nobody really knows about so i remember driving over seeing him and uh i called joe burns when i left there i said joe i got your kids a sleeper for the rise of seniors game and they took they took eric and kind of the rest was you know kind of history just people just needed to know who he was but for my number five i'm going with rodrigo blankenship um i think that um, what he does, not it's not just the field goals that he makes or allows you to be uh, immediately when you cross, say, the 45, you know, you're getting close to his range every single time, but it's his kickoffs, man. What he does, what kind of weapon he is. You know, I watch the kickoff team, and a lot of times I'm on, you know, probably 70% of the games I'm on the sideline because I'll shoot photography for us, and the kickoff team basically just runs sprints. Because there's no, the ball goes through the end zone, the back of the end zone. It's such a weapon. Uh, I don't think people realize how much of a weapon that is to know there's not a chance for somebody to run a kickback against you. He kicks it deep. You pin the pin the guys in. They got to drive the distance to beat you. But obviously, he can make big time kicks and pressure. The only one I know that he missed in a while was the Alabama kick in the second half last year. Um, but, but other than that, I mean, he has been money. He's been clutch. Uh, but I just think that Rodrigo is such a weapon that people take it for granted when he kicks off because you're, you're eliminating opportunities for the other team because he kicks the ball through the end zone so much. There's not, they're not running the ball back. So 
it's less touches, it's less big plays. I mean, it's a threat every time an elite athlete, most teams have elite athletes back there, and those guys are returning those kicks. So very rarely does somebody get to to cross the goal line against Georgia. So I just think that Rodrigo coming back, um, you know, kicking, he's he's well so well liked on the team. The young man works out. I you know, I, I know for a fact that he does drills with the linebackers, the linemen. He's in there running those drills, those those county fair mat drill type things. He's in there with those guys mixing it up. Now he's not going one on one, but he's doing the same thing those guys are doing. And I think he has such respect in the locker room, all that accounted accountability. I think Rodrigo is definitely an impact impactful player for Georgia. Big time weapon as a special teams player as a kicker. Well, I'm probably going to snub special teams in mine. I, I definitely am going to snub special teams in mine. I like that one. And, and I, I had a coach tell me one time, and I thought it was really, really interesting the way he put it, is, is he talked about having a guy that kicks the ball out the back of the end zone has a ripple effect on your team. And, and it can also help the other team. But if you're the team kicking off throughout the year and you're scoring a lot of points, that's also, you know, if you look game by game, let's say you average four or five kickoffs a game, you're playing 14 games, you're talking about 70 kickoffs a year. If you are, if you're kicking touchbacks, you know, 60 of those, or I think Rodrigo's percentage was right at 85% last year. Think about the number of plays you're eliminating uh, the possibility for injury as well. I mean, it's, it's, it's mind blowing. I mean, I think Robert Beal suffered a concussion. This past year on a kickoff return uh, on a kickoff team, so you know that's that's something you got to look out at too is the fact that you know that's that's just one more you know play that's off the books in terms of a possibility for a guy to get hurt because that's a high velocity, high impact uh, special team right there. So that that's definitely a good one for my number four. Listen, this offensive line is going to be great. I really believe that, and they got to gel, they got to play well on paper. But Sam Pittman has done nothing thus far at Georgia but give you confidence that he's going to put him put these guys in the right spot. But I'm going Isaiah Wilson for number four because I think the tackle position, when when you start talking about – we've talked a lot about Jake Fromm. And when, when you start talking about Jake Fromm and, and his ability to, to play from the pocket, to build him a pocket, uh, those type things, you know, uh, you can pretty much tell where I'm going here with, you know, with other positions. But I, I really like – you know, Isaiah Wilson at that right tackle position going into his second year. I think he can be even better than he was in his first. And he only really struggled one time last year. That was against Daryl Taylor at Tennessee. And, uh, you know, I think Taylor ended up with three sacks, two of them being against Isaiah Wilson. And, um, you know, I, I think Wilson is a guy that that's going to make some big strides. I've heard great things about his off season. Heard he dropped about anywhere from five to eight pounds. And, and that's a big deal when you start talking about a big fella moving, uh, a little better and becoming a little bit better pass protector. I think he's going to be more comfortable in pass protection. And, uh, you know, you can already tell Andrew Thomas is going to be on the list a little later on. But but for me, my number four is Isaiah Wilson, and I think he's going to have a big year. I like that pick, and I'll go and land with that. I think this is Isaiah Wilson's last year. I think he's going to be three and out, even with a red shirt, kind of like Sean Marino did. And uh, I just think Isaiah's ready. You know, he's going to have a great year for Georgia. Body has changed, like you said, and – I just think he's an NFL guy. When you look at him, I remember standing beside Champ Bailey at the SEC championship game. Champ and Ronald were standing right there with me. We caught up, and that was so cool to, to actually just be the whole game. I just spent the whole game with those two and talking on the sidelines each play and watching them react and you know what they thought about it. But there was a timeout in the second 
maybe the second half at some point, and the Georgia offensive line was over to the sideline real close, you know, and Coach Pittman was talking to him. And I remember Champ Bailey looking at me, and he goes, that's a damn NFL offensive line. He goes, that's what the Broncos used to look like. I mean, he said, look at 79. You know, he was like shocked at how big Isaiah Wilson is. So I love that pick there. I'll go with a, with a guy that might surprise some, but you got a sense of him um, in the Texas game playing last year. But I really think, and I hear some stuff about him, there's not been a ton wrote about him yet. I'll go with Aziz Ojolari. I think Aziz is going to be a guy that's going to be a problem for teams. I think from everything I've heard, um, he had a great spring. He's had a great summer. Coming off that injury, you see him in that Texas game, and, man, he was so explosive and so fast. Now, he was out of shape. Uh, but you see what what Georgia liked in him. And, you know, there's a lot with Nolan Smith and Jermaine Johnson, and certainly they're going to be big-time players and big factors in this and Britton Cox. But I don't think people are really understanding how good Aziz Ojolari is and was. And I think he's going to be a problem for teams, and I think Georgia's going to use him very similar in that Lorenzo Carter uh, role, stand him up, uh, can put him down at sometimes. He's a big body guy, a little heavier than uh, Adam Anderson. So I really think Aziz is a guy that probably would surprise a lot of people for me putting him out here. But I'm gonna be, I'm gonna go on limb early on. I think he's going to be one of those guys that everybody knows at the end of the year, not just at Georgia. I think he's going to be a Southeastern Conference name. People are going to know. I went back and watched that Texas game uh, here recently. And there are two things that stand out to me about Aziz Ojolari. One is the fact that he, he's relentless. He's got, a, he's got a tremendous motor. Maybe the best motor of anybody in that group that I've seen actually play in a game. I, I understand Nolan Smith is, is kind of in this same camp. But, but, you know, other than Adam Anderson, he's a guy that plays, you know, and I don't know if anybody will ever quite do it like David Pollock did, you know, in terms of playing with his hair on fire and acting like he was just desperate you know, to make a play, but, but they, they kind of get into that, get into that uh, realm. I would say that he just, he plays like wide open. And the second thing is he's not a role player. He's not a guy you've got, you ever have to take off the field. He's, you know, you don't have to pull him. You don't have to yank him on third down because he can't rush the passer. And you don't have to yank him on first down because he's not big enough to hold up to the run. He can do it all. And, and that, that to me, you know, and we've, you know, I think we've, I've discussed this, I've discussed it on our board many times, but that to me is what makes me like this outside linebacker group more than anything is you have Brenton Cox, you have uh, Jermaine Johnson, you have Robert Beal, you have Aziz Ojolar, you've got four guys that could play defensive end in a 4-3, they could play outside linebacker in a 3-4, they don't have to come off the field, and and that's, that's something that allows you to be flexible with guys like Adam Anderson, uh, you know, and, and Nolan Smith and even Walter Grant, who's more of a space player. You know, I'm I'm kind of surprised already right now that that he hadn't been getting more reps at uh, at inside linebacker. So that that kind of you know blows me away with that. Uh, I figured he might be doing some cross training there, but I guess they don't necessarily need him at this point. I thought he might do it last year if he did it anytime. Uh, number three on, on the list for me is I'm going to flip back over to the defensive side of the ball, and and I think that that Jr. Reed's leadership. Yeah. is it that's it starts it can start and end with that if it needs to forget the fact that he's six foot one six foot two covers so much ground reliable tackler 
you know, underrated guy with the ball in the air. The play he made against Alabama, and I know that he was beat on that post route, or Georgia's defense was beaten on that post route, and, and you know, the ball was thrown behind. But for him to be able to track that ball in the air and come down with it, uh, you know, all of those things, his ability to, to force fumbles, his interception at South Carolina last year was a was the kind of play you need a safety to make in, in the short area, in the, in, in the you know, lower uh, red area. So I, I think that he's a guy – that that does a lot of great things for you as a team, but but his leadership, his maturity, he's the kind, he's the guy that when when a defense is is looking poor on on uh, a Tuesday practice, he's gonna get he's gonna get them right. He he's gonna get it going, and that's the guy you gotta have. You gotta have the guy that's that's gonna speak up, that's gonna speak his mind. And and I've uh, if I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times. There is no replacement for that. Knowing for a fact, this is your absolute last year to play this game, to play you know at this level, to play for this team. And and there's a desperation that comes with that. And I think I think J.R. Reed's gonna have that, and that's gonna aid him as a leader. We probably could we probably could lay our same three out right here, but I'm going to go DeAndre Swift at number three for me. Um, I just think that, um, you know, he's been banged up at times. You know, what's crazy is people realize how banged up he was his freshman year. I, I remember talking to a staffer that's uh, soft to field guys. It's not, it's no longer that Georgia is somewhere else, but he told me after the season, he goes, man, you know, DeAndre Swift never practiced. He goes, once the season started, he was hurt. We were just kind of saving him each week. And, you know, he practiced a little bit, but not very much. And you think about that Auburn game as a freshman, and, man, if that dude wasn't 100% there, that's scary in the SEC championship. But Because he didn't have to tote the load with, with Sony and Nick that year. But I think DeAndre Swift, this is a this is a quote-unquote money year. I mean, he's, he's probably looking to come out. You know, most backs do that, that are elite guys after three years. And I think DeAndre Swift is such a package man because he can catch the ball. I know people flipped out the other day on our board kind of when they asked me who I thought could be the leading receiver. And I said DeAndre Swift, but I wanted to be careful because Jake Fromm spreads it out so much. You could have several guys that could have between 10 and 20 catches, and then you could have DeAndre Swift, who Jake Fromm does check it down. Um, he does like the using the running backs, which is a definitely an NFL thing. You see the running backs in the league. Look at Alvin Kamara, what kind of weapon he is catching the ball on check downs. But I just think DeAndre Swift has that gear. He has that vision. He's got that change of direction. He's got the power when he needs it, and he's definitely got the home run. Everybody has seen that several times. So I think DeAndre Swift's that guy for me. Uh, I think he's going to have a great year. If he stays healthy, look out, because I'm telling you right now, he's running behind the best offensive line in the history of Georgia football. DeAndre Swift could have a monster, monster season. You know, I'm I'm not very smart, Rusty, and I forgot to mention <clears> – <throat> before I even started saying mine is I, I wasn't going to mention Jake from uh, just simply because, I mean, come on, it's the quarterback position and that's, that's easy. You know, we don't want to, uh, you know, we might as well call it the power four if we were going to do that. Uh, so that was one guy I wasn't going to mention. Um, so, uh, but my, my number two, and, and I love the DeAndre Swift thing and you'll know, based on my next pick, who my number one's going to be. But my number two is Andrew Thomas. Um, I think he's Georgia's best player. Uh, he's the best offensive tackle, you know, I've ever seen play at Georgia with my own two eyes. That includes Isaiah Wynn, and it's close because I think Isaiah Wynn is a special football player. 
Um, you know, I think if Isaiah Wynn were 6'5", 320 pounds, that, that, that he would probably maybe have the edge on Andrew Thomas. I also think they're very similar football players athletically, length-wise, competitiveness, their demeanor. I think they have a lot of similarities in that regard. Uh, but but I, I've got to go with Andrew Thomas simply because I, I love um, – I just I like the way he plays the game, and and I think that rubs off on the rest of that offensive line. You know, I, I look back and and I I look at how he played as a freshman, and some of the things he some of the struggles he had. That Auburn game was bad. That Auburn game was really bad, and and a lot of people looked bad because of how poorly he played in that game and how badly you know he struggled with Jeffrey Holland. Uh, but but I, I can't imagine a scenario where that didn't rub off on some of the other younger offensive linemen that were waiting their turn, like Isaiah Wilson, like Solomon Kinley, who, who got benched after that Auburn game, Ben Cleveland, who, who made his move after that Auburn game. I can't imagine that some of that didn't rub off, that they're kind of like, you know, they see a freshman go in there. They they see what he did. They see how did. They see how well he played. He got so much better in the college football playoff. One of the most underrated offensive line games I think I've ever seen was him against Oklahoma, and and what he did against uh, that. I, I can't pronounce his name. Begins with an O. Their their pass rusher. He did such a phenomenal job in that game. So uh, I I just think Andrew Thomas, like I said, the way he plays the game his talent level, his reliability, his maturity, all that stuff. I think that rubs off on the rest of the group, and, and, and that's a big one for Georgia. So, so let me get this right. We are or we are not going to use you, Jake? You, you can. If, you, if that's what you – if you want to use Jake Fromm, you go right ahead. Right. I meant to say before I even started, and, and I, you know, I got ahead of myself, that I wasn't going to name Jake Fromm. That you're 100% welcome to go with it. I just, I just think that's a given, and I think it's yeah. almost a guarantee. Just about on any team, any okay. team with an upperclassman quarterback, he's, he's almost certainly going to be number one. Okay, you so, know, so. Do you mind? I'm two through six then. We'll leave Jake Fromm out. I'm doing two through six for me. So uh, I think for me, then that would leave me two players left. Um, and obviously, uh, you would know who this one is when I say this one. I, I personally um, think that, that – um, I personally think that Andrew Thomas is, is – everything you want in this whole scenario. I think that he is the top pro prospect. I think he is a extremely high academic young man. He's a great football player. He is somebody, it says a lot to Kirby Smart seeing him as well. Andrew Thomas had the longest arms in the history of the Army game. I remember we measured him and I was like, whoa. I think he was 36 and a half. I wouldn't, wouldn't mistake him, but I learned a very valuable lesson, and I'm using that with Tate Ratledge. And I'm, I'm, I've relayed that to Barton. We've talked about this several times. I went to see Andrew Thomas play. First time I ever saw him was an MVP camp as a ninth grader. I was like, this, this kid's damn good. Little chubby, young, 6'3", to point. Grows into a grown-ass man. I go see Pace Academy play, love it. And I remember he couldn't even get in a stance in the second quarter. I mean, he was gassed. I mean, he was flat out gassed, but he played both ways, Jake. And you get a big body guy like that playing defensive tackle and offensive tackle in a game, and he barely came off the field. And I remember calling Barton when we left, and I said, Barton, I don't know, man. I said, Andrew Thomas did not look great at all. I mean, I was like, he couldn't move. He was gassed. And, you know, I learned from that because when he came to the Army game, 
he was lights out. I'm talking he was in shape. He was ready to go. Pace Academy got uh, upset early that year. They got put out like Thanksgiving weekend, so he had a whole month to do nothing. That man went to work. What he does at Georgia, protecting that blind side for Jake Fromm, he is the best offensive tackle. I agree. The only other player that I have seen personally, and I've seen Cordy Glenn, I've seen him all the way back to Bernard Williams, first-round draft pick of the Eagles. I've seen Adam Meadows, who was a high draft pick, um, you know, in the mid-'90s. Seen all those guys play multiple times. Cordy Glenn, who's got, a what, a $100 million deal from Buffalo. The only player that I've ever seen athletically as good as him, and unfortunately this one ended with Trenton Sturdivant. And Trenton ended – with two, obviously the two ACLs got him, but his freshman year, he looked every bit as, fo- as good as an All American type player. Andrew Thomas is, is, he could be one, two, three, whatever you want to be on this list, but he is fantastic football player. Can't say enough about him personally, knowing him, uh, what he's going to represent. I'm telling you this, he's going to play a long time in the NFL. He's going to make a ton of money, but he's going to be the type of guy that's going to do something after football. Wouldn't shock me to see him be a successful business owner, you know, into politics, whatever. He has that type of mind, that type of uh, that type of makeup. Really, really, really high on Andrew Thomas. The only thing that would surprise me if Andrew Thomas is if he went into media when it was over with, because you want to. He <laughs> is tough to get words out of. That cat does not love to talk. Finally, that may, that, that, yeah. He may have the mind for politics. I don't know if he's got the talkativeness. You know what? That's, you know what? When, when, when Georgia opened the new locker room last year and they had to have a player talk to the, to, the, to the McGill Society, that was the one Kirby Smart trotted out there. It says a lot about him because you're yeah. talking to the, the quote-unquote the donors, and Andrew Thomas was the guy he chose. So that tells you how far he's come. But I admit, oh, yeah, man, he's covering him in high school. I mean, you, it was tough to get anything out of Andrew Thomas. You know, and this is where I kind of differ from my from my media cohort is I don't blame him for not wanting to say a lot of stuff to us, you know, because, I mean, he's seen these guys. He's seen, you know, bulletin board material come out of displaying a little bit of confidence in those things. I mean, he he knows. I mean, you when you're you know, some of your smartest guys are some of your quietest when it comes to the media. You know, I'll never forget. And I know we're going off on a little bit of a rabbit trail here, but I remember Malcolm Mitchell. You would ask Malcolm Mitchell a question and you'd get an answer 15 seconds later because he was going to he was going to rub that little little kind of excuse for a goatee he had for a second. He was going to really think about what he had to say. I drove from Rome, Georgia to Valdosta one day and I got Malcolm Mitchell to the side at practice interviewed him. I drove five hours and that dude gave me three words. Yep. Nope. Yep. Nope. Maybe. <laughs> and I told him a couple years later when I saw him, I said, Malcolm, you, I mean, you don't know how pissed off I was when I got in that car, but I understand. I understand that was your, you know, he, people were coming to him left and right, but I remember going, this is, I, 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 I couldn't even write a story. I basically had to do an insider notes and say, nobody knows where the hell he's going. So, you know, in reality, that, that, that's a great one, Michael Mitchell. But, man, I always found that story drove five hours, and then the man said three words. Yeah, that, that's crazy. I, I know, I, and I'm going to – he's a prospect that's going to remain nameless. I remember he took an official visit to Georgia, and I sent him a text. And I called him first, and he answered. And I started talking to him. He said, hey, I got to go. And uh, I texted him. He didn't text me back. Texted him again. Didn't text me back. It's on Sunday night. Texted him two hours later, and I was like, hey, 
I'm coming to your high school tomorrow if you don't talk to me. So you're going to talk to me at some point. And I showed up to his high school and, and it was a long drive. And I got there early in the morning and he just, he saw me w- walking through the door. He just happened to be in the office when I got there and he just hung his head and started laughing. He said, I really didn't think you were going to come. So, uh, you know, these, these guys, man, they, these cats get, this is a crash course on media when you start in the recruiting business. It's, it's one of the things I miss about it because, you know, yeah, I made a lot of unnecessary drives and I got, I got some good stuff out of that guy that day. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things that it's, there's a rush to it for, if you're covering recruiting, you know, and that's something I definitely miss about it is, is going and seeing these guys. My number one is, is DeAndre Swift. And it's a lot of the things that you just mentioned. He's Georgia's leading returning pass catcher, caught 32 balls last year. It's not going to shock me if he catches 45 this year. And you know what? 45 catches would do if I'm not mistaken. And, and I look it up real quick. I'm pretty sure that would have led Georgia's team last year. Um, so uh, he, he was, he was 12 off the lead last year. And, and listen, these running backs get put in situations where they don't necessarily, you know, they're not getting 50, 50 balls, 20 yards downfield where all they've got to do is catch it and fall down with it. And they've got a 20 yard catch. They, they have to catch it and run with it. They got to catch and make a man miss. DeAndre Swift can do that. I don't think he leads Georgia in receiving yards. I think Georgia is going to have a guy with, you know, this averaging somewhere between 15 and 20 yards a catch that's probably going to take that crown. But I do think that that DeAndre Swift has a very good chance of, yeah, and it would have left, led Georgia's team last year. Riley Ridley had 44 catches. So I think DeAndre Swift can do that. I think DeAndre Swift can have a massive year. And, and listen, it all, it all, it's all predicated on him staying healthy. And, you know, there, there are folks out there that they like to think, well, if this guy was hurt as a, as a freshman and sophomore, then he's going to be hurt as a junior. That's not necessarily the case. These guys find a way to get healthy and stay healthy. He's got to do that. I, I do think the groin injury is behind him, and, and we saw how good he was last year. I posted this thing on the board yesterday where I went back to Kentucky game, and it wasn't a play I'd forgotten about, but it was a play that I didn't realize who he was up against. But he's got Mike Edwards, uh, a top 100 pick in the in the 2019 NFL draft. Um, DeAndre Swift does flying downhill with a great angle to to make a play on him. And he puts he puts that right foot in the ground and goes north and south as fast as anybody I've seen, and then goes on to make I don't know three or four other people miss, break two tackles, and score. So you know he just he changes things, man. He he's a game changer. I, I'll never forget uh, you know speaking to Marcus Spears prior to the SEC championship game this past year, and and when you asked Marcus Spears, hey, does Georgia have a chance to beat Alabama, and and, and, and it's, it's basically, in his first five words, DeAndre Swift comes up. Yes, absolutely, DeAndre Swift. You know, so, yeah. I, I, you know, Swift is, he, he's a different cat. You saw that in that game um, where, where in that Alabama game, I think he scored two touchdowns, maybe three. I'm, I, I'm not 100%. Yeah, I think it was two. But, but he's, he's the guy that I, he's the straw that stirs the drink. And, and, and this even goes with Jake Fromm included. I think he's Georgia's most valuable player because, you know, when you start talking about Jake Fromm and the passing game and, and stuff like that and, and, and Georgia's ability to create big plays and create explosive plays, if you take DeAndre Swift out of the mix, it's a lot harder. It, is, me, a, it is a lot harder. Let me ask you this. Would you play Alabama without Jake Fromm or would you play Alabama without DeAndre Swift? I, I'd play him without Jake Fromm. I mean, it all. I mean, I don't. 
that that one's kind of tough with Georgia's situation because of Stetson Bennett. I mean, I, I mean, I'm I, I'm a little worried. I would be a little worried Stetson Bennett would get bent in half pretty soon into that one. And then there's and then when you go after that, you just don't know what's going on with Dewan Mathis. But yep, you know, if yep. you're talking about you know Justin Fields, Jacob Eason on the roster, and yep. Jake yeah. Fromm or DeAndre Swift, then then absolutely DeAndre Swift. But it's even a tough call with Georgia's quarterback situation, and that just says about you know DeAndre Swift as a player. I love Swift. I mean, I, I I'm just giving you a hard time there because I think the one ir, the one person on Georgia's team, um, there's several stars that the second guy is just not as good. But the irreplaceable guy to me is Jake Fromm this year because. What you don't, and I'll, I'll just, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to cheat anyway. I'm going to say Jake Fromm. So I'm going to go with Jake Fromm. And, and what you get with Jake Fromm is you got a first year OC in James Coley, first year in Athens. He's got a guy that he's extremely confident in. Jake Fromm uh, is a coach on the field, bar none. And you have the, the utmost confidence to call any play, knowing that Jake can get you out of that play. There's so many intangibles that we could talk about for another hour on Jake Fromm and why he's so impactful. Um, a lot of times people want to look at that, you know, they want to pick at him, the hand size, you know, not the over powerful arm and, uh, you know, didn't have a great game at LSU. It happens. But the, the things you don't see is what we talked about on the podcast earlier this week is Jake Fromm taking his receivers to an offsite place this weekend, throwing routes, working. Um, you know, the mind of Jake Fromm is what's so valuable to Georgia. He is absolutely irreplaceable. You can call any play at any time. I remember talking to a an SEC opposing coach about Jake Fromm, and he told me, he said, man, you can't trick the kid because he knows what's coming. You very rarely don't get a free shot. He said, tell me last time you see somebody get a free shot on Jake Fromm. Because if you get a sack on him, you've got to earn it. You've got to come after him because he can pick up those free blitz and all that other stuff. And that's that mind of Jake Fromm. That's that football IQ that everybody talks about. And w- whether or not well, how it translates to the NFL and how, how coveted he will be, we'll find out. But I will tell you that, to me, Jake Fromm is, is the most impactful player uh, because of what he can do and what he can make those people around you. I've always said this about the quarterback position. It's the one position in sports where the 10 other people on the field where you have got to believe and have got to trust you. There's only a handful of people that can play at the NFL level and play at a high caliber of NFL. The millions of players that play football down through the ninth grade, there's only a handful. There's only 14, 15, maybe 10, 12, 13, 14 people in the world right now that can play NFL quarterback at a high level. That's how hard that position is. And Jake Fromm is an absolutely irreplaceable, impactful player at Georgia. And I think his third year is going to be his best year. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And if I hadn't messed this thing up from the get go, I would have, I would, he would be number one for me too. And, and we would have, you know, known that going in, but I didn't because I'm, because I'm, I had my list written down and, even a note to say that about Jake Fromm, but I wasn't looking at it when I started. And, and like I said, not very smart. Give me one guy that just missed the cut for you. Like, like it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be number six, but one guy that kind of pops into your head is kind of like he was, he was in my mind when I was thinking about this. Solomon Kenley. Oh yeah, man. I mean, people don't, he doesn't play that glory position. He's not the, he's playing on offensive line with two probably NFL players in Isaiah Wilson. 
and Andrew Thomas, but you wait. When he's done, if he does, he's a fourth year junior. So if he does come out and you start looking at those guys that break all this tape down and all these Twitter guys and NFL guys and they start breaking that tape down, I don't think Georgia fans realize Solomon Kinley's a grown ass man. He knocks people out of the box. You watched the Alabama game last year, and when they were doubling down on their nose, I mean, he's knocking the guy three or four yards into the linebackers. He is explosive. He is nasty. He is everything you want in a guard. And I remember on a recruit last year, a linebacker telling me, hey, if you go to Georgia, you better buckle it up because you're going to be pounding those guys at practice, and those, those are the biggest dudes in the league. Uh, so Solomon Kinley's well-known. The people that make these decisions about who's draft draftable, who's the prospects, the people that actually break it down. No, Jake, you do a lot of work looking at tape. I don't think the average fan appreciates Solomon Kinley. He is an absolute animal. What a hell of a get by Georgia. Uh, getting a 380-pound lifeguard out of Jacksonville, Florida, and a guy came in. Was, he probably floats between 335 and 345, but – I think he was in the neighborhood of 390 when he got it. Georgia 385, big dude. But I tell you, man, he is going to be a hell of an NFL player. That dude is a is a statement on genetics, too, because uh, he has let us know many times in the media, he doesn't eat red meat. All he does is he – and that's been a – that's a long time. He All he likes is chicken. So somehow, 380 pounds just eating chicken. So if if I could just eat chicken, I think I'd probably be I'd probably be twenty pounds lighter than I am. I don't understand how he stays that big eating like that. A guy that came came to mind for me was Monty Rice, and and I'm higher on Tay Crowder than than a lot of people are. I think Tay Crowder came on hard at the end of last year. Some of the stuff he showed with his speed and getting to the edge, I still think he needs to learn how to play in a phone booth a little better. But but I think he he's a really good player. But Monty Rice. All I need to look at was was Georgia's defense last year when he was on the field, especially early in the season, and then Georgia's defense when he was off the field. And it was it was different. It's not that Monty Rice is a freak show athlete. It's not that he's the biggest guy in the world. He may not even you know, he may not even have the elite instincts. But what what he does have is he's a really good football player. He's a really good leader. He's he's a guy that stays engaged, play in and play out, never takes a playoff, moves on to the next play if he has a bad play, and he loves contact and and all those things. And he's adequate in every other area because he's got really good instincts. He's he's a good athlete and he just does it all well. And I think that that having him there with those young linebackers, with you know, and having played the linebacker position as long as he have with, but with Quay Walker, with Channing Tindall. With Nakobe Dean, I think he's an invaluable resource to have at that position, and uh, and so he he came to mind for me as a guy that I might want to throw in there as a dark horse as well. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, man, let's move on to recruiting and uh, and talk about, you know, it, basically the, the biggest thing to happen to our site here in the past couple, two or three days as far as recruiting, and that's 
Rusty Mansell's crystal ball, and okay. and you have you've you've crystal balled, uh, you know what is it? Three guys or two guys or yeah? Uh, who who have you crystal balled, and, and and what's the story there? Well, you know, I think the the, the guys or members on our site know that you know I take my time a little bit now because right or wrong, uh, there's no more there's no more points if you pick your uh, there's no more points if you pick. You know, if I were if I were to crystal ball Jake Rowe to Georgia in May, and Jake Rowe commits in November, I didn't get any more points. The points are being right. And I know that frustrates some people sometimes, but I take advantage of that. You know, I don't try to make a crystal ball pick as early as I used to. I will tell our members, hey, if I'm picking today, this is what I would pick. So I'm a little more cautious because I have time. I want to be right as always, but this allows me to make sure all the way to the end. I kick myself in the ass. I videotape MJ Sherman's video commitment. I have the thing for two months, and I forget the damn crystal ball in Georgia. So that was that was another lesson I learned. So I didn't, didn't do that with Tate Rattledge. About two minutes before he decided, I just popped it in. So today, uh, or in the last 24 hours, I've made my decisions uh, based off the sources I've talked to, and I feel good enough talking to multiple sources in different circles. I always try to do that. I felt good enough to to make um, crystal balls on Cedric Van Pran, who's an offensive lineman out of the New Orleans area. Uh, he's a four-star prospect that Sam Pittman's been on. Guy's going to be a guard or center. Texas A&M is a team that kind of worries me a little bit there with Akinola. Uh, they're pretty tight, but I think that Georgia's going to hold on there. Uh, you maybe can get him uh, sooner than later. Kendall Milton's a five-star running back out of California who certainly solidified that ranking last week at the opening in Texas. Uh, I do think Georgia is going to wind up getting him. I would I would watch Ohio State, see if there's any movement there late, but he's going to decide here, I think, uh, a little less than three weeks. He's going to make his decision, so that would be huge news as Georgia starts fall practice. But another one I made was Caleb Williams, a 2021 five-star quarterback dual threat out of the Washington DC Gonzaga high school. And, you know, listen, I talked to a lot of people over there and practice and, and the camps now are closed, which I, I hate because we used to at least, even though we couldn't interview kids, we could go watch and uh, we got to make our own evals and that kind of thing. That's the biggest, biggest change under Kirby smart. I, I hate that we don't get to go to the camps anymore, but that's his decision. That's his staff's decision. And I respect it. But Caleb Williams, I heard, put on a show. Now, I heard the day they had him, Carson Beck, Brock Vandergriff. They had um, the young man, uh, Gunner, out of out of uh, Rabin County, the freshman. So, I heard they had all those guys up there and throwing side by side. And I'll tell you right now, a couple people told me there was nobody better than Caleb Williams that day. Now, that is one particular day. So, uh, take it with a grain of salt, but I heard he put on a show. I mean, he was deadly accurate with a big arm. He's strong. He's athletic. He's dual threat guy, very intelligent young man. So you look at the future of Georgia and you lose a young man named Brock Vandergriff out of Prince Avenue, basically in your backyard, Oklahoma, it's going to happen. They recruited him hard, recruited him really hard. If Georgia ends up with Carson Beck and Caleb Williams, and I did predict uh, Caleb Williams to, to commit to Georgia, although he's in the 2021 class. That would be a huge haul for those two guys to end up on campus and then find out who's going to win that job. Now, Carson Beck's going to have a uh, about a year and a half head start on him, so you would think that he's going to have a leg up, but we'll see. 
uh, we, we kind of learned a lesson with Jake Fromm coming in behind other people too. So I just think that, uh, you know, right now felt good enough to make those picks. And, um, you, you know, I know that Georgia fans and, and specifically our members on the board understand that I'm very calculated with mine and my crystal balls because we can be the object of the crystal ball is to be right. So when I feel strong enough, I make those picks. And right now I felt strong enough on those three to make those picks for Georgia. Getting a guy like Williams would be huge with, with Vandergriff going to Oklahoma. And, and listen, uh, there's something folks need to understand, you know, especially these quarterbacks who get to travel around a lot and go see a lot of different places. Um, you know, and, and, you know, this may not be a popular thing to say, but especially with affluent kids, you know, these private school kids that, you know, obviously if you go, if you're going to a private school, your family's got a little bit of money, you can do a little bit of traveling, you get out and you see the world a little bit. They don't necessarily want to play, you know, their high school, I mean, their college football, the same place that they've been for the past four, six, 10, 15, their entire life, you know, yeah. so that it's sometimes getting that guy, um, you know, it was like Roquan Smith with the UCLA thing. The, the reason UCLA almost got Ro, Roquan Smith and, and, you know, it, Jeff Olbert played a big role in this too, but the reason they got him, almost got him was because he wanted to go somewhere different and see new things and, and experience a new life and start someplace you know, otherwise, I mean, listen, I've lived in the state of Georgia my entire life, but I mean, don't think that I hadn't thought many, many times about, hey, what if I would have, you know, would I love to live in, you know, would I love to live in Boston or Chicago or something like that just to experience it just for a year? Should I, you know, I, I've questioned that many times. So a lot of these guys, they like to get out and do things different. And sometimes that hardest, the hardest kid to get is the kid in your, really in your backyard, not from two hours away. Cause I've yeah. heard a lot of prospects say it before it's close enough, but it's far enough. It's well, close enough to home that they can, they can go back and see mom but it's far enough that they get to see something different and and sometimes 13 miles just isn't far enough i'll tell you what that certainly played the role in max johnson i mean i i brock vandergriff i kind of felt was trending toward oklahoma after that visit he took like a three-day visit in the spring and he came back but i can tell you right now max johnson wanted to get away from home to play and you have to respect that young man look prince avenue is about six miles six miles from oconee county so there's two Division one high-level quarterbacks in your backyard. One's going to Oklahoma, one's going to LSU. Georgia recruited both, but I don't think at any point after knowing what I know now, they would have ever got Max Johnson. And that's why getting that's why you know getting Williams and he's definitely trending Georgia's way has been for a little while would be would be pretty huge and and you know if they get him we're going to have it covered at dogs 247 we're going to be all over that we're going to be all over the recruiting news sec media days are coming up in less than a week there's going to be a lot to talk about out there interesting to see what kirby smart's got to say about jeremiah holloman and the response that he's seen from graduate transfers from incoming freshmen and and all of that stuff and we'll have it covered for you for now that's all we got today i'm jake Rowe, dogs 247 this is rusty mansell dogs 247 this has been the junkyard dog cat and we'll catch up with you guys later on. Take care.